the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yeah, a different city every night. Oh, I, I swear the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information. You will not want to miss it. Let's jump right in. I'm thrilled to be joined by Chris DeSantis, an independent organizational behavior practitioner, speaker, podcaster, and author with over 35 years of experience working with clients in professional services firms, both domestically and internationally. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, but in particular, I'm very excited to talk to him about his new book. It just came out in May. It's called Why I Find You Irritating, Navigating Generational Friction at Work. Chris DeSantis, welcome to Get Down to Business. My gosh, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. It is a pleasure. So uh, I've been reading a little bit from your book, and Mm -hmm. I know that you quote uh, Orwell, who said that uh, each generation imagines itself to be more intelligent than the one that went before it and wiser than one that comes after it. So this thing about generational change in the workplace, Chris, how do you get so interested in it? Well, uh, it's interesting because about uh, 18 years ago, I was running uh, consulting schools for a, a, a very large firm. And at the time, I had these 300 young people that come in across the country, and I'd spend three weeks with them. And I started to notice that they were engaging us differently than I had expected them to engage in terms of they were more assertive. I felt more demanding. There were a lot of qualities that I found irritating, as it were. And then I started to do homework. And so over the last 18 years, I've been uh, talking to people about it. I've been reading about it. And then what you have now is the compilation of that in my book. That's awesome. It's fantastic. And it's a great read and certainly encourage all of our listeners to find it. It's called Why I Find You Irritating Navigating Generational Friction at Work. We'll certainly link to it in, uh, in a little bit on the program. So why is this book different from others that are on the topic? You are certainly not the first person to write about this important issue. Yes, I found that I was trying to find a space that wasn't addressed. And, and one of the things I look at is, too, is what was happening in the country in terms of how we transitioned from a company man experience into a transactional marketplace. How does that play in? I also look at parenting models over the last 60 years and how does the parenting model shift? And what, is the, uh, what are the repercussions of being raised differently than the generation that preceded you? So, And then lastly, I looked at the idea of perception and stereotype and generalization, because I think there's a perceptual issue here that is also uh, taken into account in the sense that when the press starts to say things about the young, we start to believe that must be true of all the young, and it is not necessarily reflective of any of the young, but maybe a segment or two. 
Sure, absolutely. So it's common when we're talking about generations, you know, we talk about the Gen Y, Gen X, and so on. And certainly Mm -hmm. I've had many conversations on this program about the differences of work ethic and work philosophy and so on. But you talk in the book about something really, really important, and that is stages of life. So what is the distinction between those two areas, stages of life and generational differences? Yes, the, the, because this, I, again, as I speak on this, uh, the generational lens is how you see the world, meaning how do you interpret events? Uh, imagine it as a pair of eyeglasses that you put on that are the consequences of how you were raised. You see through those lenses uh, in a way that is unique to who you are and your experiences. Stages of life is what everyone goes through, as there are six, a child, a young adult, an emerging adult, an adult, an elder, and bonus elderhood. Those stages of life are common to all humanity, but it's how you interpret the events in each of those stages of life that make you you make you you and also makes you judge others through that lens. Interesting. So you talk in the book, again, it's called Why I Find You Irritating, Navigating Generational Friction at Work. We're chatting with the author, Chris DeSantis, and you talk about feedback and performance appraisals in your book, and you say very, very clearly, you don't like them. Why is that? No, I, I find uh, I, feedback is critical to succeeding. It's critical to succeeding. I, and I think and I appreciate the notion. I don't think we do it well. I think I think we do it in the negative sense in terms of correction, uh, not j- just correction. And I think we should be holistic and not just correcting people, but recognizing what they do well so that they repeat those behaviors. Now, as it relates to performance appraisals, I think they're awful. I think they're per- I think they're performance opinions because they are not based on the data, but rather my opinion of me. And this goes back to the generational lens. When I see you doing something differently than I would, I I mark that down. For instance, let me give you a quick example. I I come from a place of, uh, as a boomer, as a young boomer, I was very um, obedient to authority. So if I was to receive some feedback, I'd sort of just take it in. Uh, Now, a young person today might receive that same feedback and they'll challenge, they'll say, why why are you saying that? What did you mean by that? I don't understand that. Now, we hear that challenge as, as an affront, as opposed to an inquiry to learn more about what I can do differently. We might mark them down for that, but the idea of the performance appraisal is another piece of it, which I find quite annoying, it is it commoditizes us in the sense that we look at 10 or 12 variables that may or may not be relevant to the actual work we're doing, and yet we are judged on those things. So you're getting, uh, you're getting opinions and you're getting it, you're skewing some of that towards things I'm not even doing and nor should I be concentrating on doing those things. Our greatness is really around a few things we need to do very well. Mm-hmm. I'm chatting with Chris DeSantis and uh, Chris, I know you're a speaker, podcaster and author. You've been uh, working with clients for over 35 years, but over the past 15 years, I know you've been speaking on generational issues in the workplace at hundreds of the leading U.S. law and accounting firms as well as many of the major insurance and pharma companies. So it's interesting that we're having this conversation in mid, actually, towards the latter half of 2022. Mm-hmm. How have you seen uh, change? I mean, especially in this new hybrid workplace, what is it doing uh, that's different than previous generations? Well, I, I think the pandemic has it's sort of moved us into the future, meaning that the pandemic has caused us to accept the, the reality that remote work works. Now, what you've done now is you've, you've uh, actually um, you've accepted or actually the young now expect 
greater flexibility. We lived in a time as a boomer uh, or as a Gen Xer, they didn't live in a time that, that sort of embraced this notion of flexibility. So I think we're going to have to re-examine how we design our work, and I think we have to engage the young because they are going to be the people that actually execute against that model. But we have to realize that we are social creatures. You see, this is where it gets messy. The boomers want us to be back in the office to a great degree because that's where we socialize, that's where we had our successes. Whereas the young want uh, greater flexibility, and they're not necessarily resisting going back to the office entirely, but they want some space in the middle. So mm -hmm. I think we're going to have to find some area of agreement, which is that's where we are in flux. And that's where I see right happening right now. Definitely. And Chris, you know, it's, it's funny as we're having this conversation, as we're recording just minutes ago, I had a conversation about mentorship. Um, with uh, with my mentor, and, and we were talking about some of the experiences that I've had in mentoring others as well. Now, you, I know you're so passionate about it. So how has mentorship uh, and mentoring changed over the years, and why are the young so bent on it? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's a great question because I have a, I devote a chapter to this. Is see, we I come from the space of a ment. You uh, the mentor chooses you, and it's an organic relationship. And you don't describe the mentor in advance of having them. You describe it as a consequence of having been mentored. Now we've gone into a space where we now assign mentors in advance. The problem I have with a, that is I, I have no problem with. A, assigning relationship, I have a problem with naming it as a mentor because it implies intimacy where none is earned. And this, of course, makes both parties slightly anxious. Now, why do the young want this? Well, they want to have, according to the Gallup poll, they want to have somebody in the workplace who cares about them, who's interested in their future, who's interested in their development. This is a consequence, again, of the, their parental model. Their parental model had high engagement by the parents. They just want to bring that kind of sense of being engaged into the workplace. Definitely. Again, I've been chatting with Chris DeSantis and certainly enjoyed our conversation, which is just a taste of what's in his new book, Why I Find You Irritating, Navigating Generational Friction at Work. I know it just came out in May and it's already gotten some great accolades and it certainly has a lot of very practical, actionable guidance um, that every company, big or small, can use both in life and in the workplace. So, Chris, perhaps the best homework that we can leave people with is how people can pick up a copy of the book and get in touch with you. Can you share that website and contact information with our listeners? Yes, and thank you for allowing me to do so. Uh, my website is my name, C pdesantis.com. That's one way to access me and learn a little bit about what I do. The, the book itself is available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or the uh, Books A Million. So any of those websites, you can, uh, you can get a copy of the book. Fantastic. Chris DeSantis, and I know the website again is cpdesantis.com. Again, the book is called Why I Find You Irritating, Navigating Generational Friction at Work. And Chris, I certainly look forward to having you back on real soon. Continue this conversation, certainly an important topic, and it continues to evolve um, as we continue on in 2022. So uh, we've got to squeeze in a very quick break. We're going to continue our conversation all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship when we return in just a moment. Check out my website, shalomkline.com, and be sure to check out Get down to business on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. It makes it even easier for others to find the show. Again, don't touch that dial because we are coming right back. More small business jobs and entrepreneurship when we return in just a moment. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I am so excited for this conversation because I'm chatting with the rebrand man from the rebranding experts. I'm chatting with Jim Heininger. 
He leads the experts of the rebranding experts, which he founded in 2017 after 30 years of business and brand strategy experience for Procter and Gamble, McDonald's, Anheuser-Busch, and so many others. Jim, welcome to the program. Good morning. Oh, it's great to have you. It's great to have you. It's uh, this is something that we talk about so frequently, but it's something that's so critical, especially in this time of year as we move into the latter half of 2022. Everybody needs to be thinking about rebranding. But uh, I'm really curious, how did you develop your passion in this space, your subject matter expertise with so many companies, and why did you go off on your own? Uh, great, great question. I had 20, 30 years of marketing communications, strategic communications experience working for many of the different you know, blue chip organizations that you mentioned, and uh, also had a real bend toward change management. Uh, and helping organizations in transforming themselves and uh, uh, really, you know, kind of setting themselves on a better path for future business. And it all kind of rolled up together, the, the marketing, the branding, the change management, and, and found this unique space of helping people through the rebranding of their organization as kind of the, the culmination and the, and the combination of all those different kind of uh, capabilities. So it's really become my sweet spot uh, and my passion. That's amazing. So the rebranding experts, um, I know you have become the only agency with the comprehensive services necessary to rebrand organizations. And I want to get started by ta- in this conversation in talking about who needs to rebrand and why. Well, that's a good, good question. So think of, re- of, of branding, first of all, as differentiating your company. So it's it's pulling to the forefront the things that differentiate and make you better, be it your products, your services, your leadership, your employees, that really set you apart from your competition. So rebranding means you need to reset that brand. It means there's something about the brand that um, is creating a bit of a drag on your business success, and now you need to reinvent it. Um, That could be everything from a merger or an acquisition where you're combining brands and need to figure out how to, how to you know, which brand's going to lead. Could be that the brand itself is kind of worn out and tired and just doesn't have the energy that it used to when you first, you know, open the business maybe. Or it could be that you are on a path of, of you know, strong strategic growth. You've got a new product you want to introduce. You want to expand into a different marketplace and you need a new brand that is going to um, really highlight the relevance of who you are and the benefit of, of you know, buying your products or services to your customers and prospects ahead. So many different reasons you might rebrand. It can, tends to come down to either need or opportunity as the main driving force. Okay, absolutely. So uh, definitely uh, that opportunity resonates a great deal. But, you know, frequently people throw around terms around the brand refresh, brand repositioning, rebranding. What actually is the difference between those three terms? So we we see rebranding as the whole, you know, standing up an entirely new brand, you know, with a new name of the company or a new name of the product and changing your organization to be able to support that. So there are other steps that you can take that aren't as aggressive as that. Uh, but that can perhaps meet the, the, you know, the challenge that you're facing right now. So the first is a refresh, and that's basically a visual makeover um, and, a, you know, an upgrade uh, that could be your, a new logo and new colors, 
you know, new look to your website, maybe your packaging has changed. That's a brand refresh. And it's really, think of it as just a visual upgrade to what you're currently doing. Then a repositioning is when you're, you're really needing to present yourself differently to either a new customer segment you're going after or a new geographic area you're expanding into or that you need to change the way you've been perceived in, um, in the past. And so there you've got everything from you know, your logo and perhaps a tagline that you're going to update. Your customer experience obviously has to change as well as the kind of brand essence of who you are and, and why you exist. Now, one of the most recent brand repositionings that a lot of people have, have um, seen is Victoria's Secret. So here's this longtime lingerie company that really, you know, put the angels up on fashion shows and on ads and so forth, tall, slender women, you know, wearing nothing but their lingerie and so forth. And society changed and it moved on and it realized you know they were faced with the, the 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 challenge that women today didn't see that as what they were striving for there's all sorts of body shape you know shapes and sizes and so they needed to drop that previous brand and really focus on how do we reach more women be more inclusive they went out and got Megan Rapone the soccer star as a brand ambassador and help reposition their brand to all women as opposed to just the select women that really appealed to previously. So that's a brand reposition. A brand uh, rebrand altogether is when something like Facebook comes out with a new name, Meta, and they are looking to expand into virtual reality, and they have you know created a whole new brand, whole new look, whole new marketing campaign to help introduce themselves into that particular business segment now. Fantastic. And so many of our listeners are uh, both in big business, but also in small business as well. And your examples resonate so, so much. Thank you for breaking down those terms. Uh, Really, uh, I I found it fascinating indeed. Um, But as we talk about small business and rebranding, is this relevant? Because no doubt people are nodding their heads furiously as they're listening to this conversation um, with you, Jim. But they're also wondering, is this relevant to me and in my little entrepreneurial capacity? So... It, it does rebranding matter to an entrepreneur? Absolutely. In fact, what we're seeing is um, a lot of organizations coming to us that started out as an entrepreneur who at the time didn't have you know, a good branding resource to help come up with a new name and how they were going to present themselves you know, to the market. And so they picked their own last name or they came up with a, a you know, pretty generic sounding name for their company. Well, now they're successful. They're 10, 15 years down the road. And they're finding that name looks really odd now, or it's not working very hard for them, and that they do need to upgrade their brand. They need to come out with a, a, a brand that better articulates what differentiates them from their competitors. So we're working right now with a, a company, for example, that was a family-owned business. The father established it. The daughter took it over. The daughter wants to innovate and do a lot of exciting new things, and she's stuck with the name that her father originally picked, which just doesn't have a lot of energy to it. So we're helping her identify how she can present herself out to her customers and her prospects differently in a way that is much higher level, much more engaging, much more compelling than what the current name is. So as we have this conversation in 2022, what are some of the greatest challenges in rebranding? And if you can share any rebranding success or horror stories? 
So one of the biggest challenges in rebranding is the selection of a name that not only works um, really powerfully for you, but the ability to get that name trademarked. <laughs> so just about every name or word in the English language is used as the name of a company somewhere. And so you have to go through a process applying for a trademark with the U.S. government, which is um, uh, a little exhausting because um, you have to find a way to differentiate yourself from others that are in the category. So that's that's one of the biggest challenges right there. But But what we're seeing as a result of it, and everybody will recognize this right away, is companies that have odd spellings of their name. You know, so Lyft, L-Y-F-T, you know, even Uber, you know, as a, as a name for originally for rideshare, they're, they're coming up with odd spellings of names because those aren't trademarked because that they, they look modern and they look great on a little tile app on your smartphone, but they also aren't trademarked in that spelling. And that gives them the ability to go out and to um, uh, be able to, to operate under that, that new brand name. So we're, the, the good news when it comes to kind of what's happening in rebranding is mm-hmm. Facebook, really, or Facebook really brought rebranding mainstream. It, you know, that was probably the biggest brand ever to go through a change, and everybody saw it, and everybody was aware of it. And so we're all getting a little bit more accustomed to what rebranding is and, and the idea of accepting when a company needs to change its name and, you know, it's less of a hiccup than it sure. might have been in the past. Well, Jim, I have to leave it there because we're going to get cut off uh, by a commercial. And I want to make sure our listeners know where they can get in touch with the rebranding experts. You are the rebranding man. Um, how can we learn more and continue this conversation with you? Rebrandingexperts.com and all our social platforms are on that same name as well, too. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. I know you've got a lot of experience with some large companies and certainly appreciate breaking it down for some of the entrepreneurs tuning in as well. And I know on your website, I know you've got your rebranding survey results as well. So we'll send people over there. Uh, Definitely check out Rebranding Experts. Quick break. More small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship when we return in just a moment. Don't touch that dial. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We've got a real treat for you. I've got Anthony Hughes, the co-founder, CEO of Tech Elevator. It is a coding boot camp that teaches students in demand tech skills that can lead to meaningful, and we'll talk what that word means, meaningful careers in the tech industry. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Absolutely. You have some astounding statistics. Over 2,300 students, and that's probably outdated by now, have graduated from your program. Let's talk about what your program is and who an ideal profile of a candidate for your program is. Yeah, so it's actually over 3,000 now. It's probably more than 4,000 that we've trained now, whether it's um, general consumers or, or um, uh, reskilled employees. But um, yeah, it's uh, we've been we've been growing fast. So Tech Elevator is a, a, an intensive reskilling program that takes individuals with no coding experience, no professional experience, and turns them into software developers in as little as fourteen weeks. We have a part-time program and a thirty-week full-time program as well. Um, it's uh, it's incredibly rewarding work. We get to be an inflection point in people's lives. We get to help companies catalyze their workforce. Um, it's just a great space to be. It's a lot of fun to do, and uh, you know we're making uh, making ripples in the world, and that's uh, rewarding work. 
Oh, and you are a modest, humble guy because I know you've been nominated twice for the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award, and I know you've had quite a career yourself, which is why I have to ask, why did you get into the space? How did you recognize this opportunity in coding and technology? Yeah, so um, uh, Tech Elevator is headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, as you might be able to tell, this is not a Cleveland accent. I moved to Cleveland in my early 20s. I met a girl, and uh, Cleveland became my adopted home. And, um, you know, for those folks listening from the Midwest, the sort of Rust Belt story is a familiar story of um, cities with previously rich industrial and innovative histories that have been struggling to reinvent themselves. Um, I ended up working in the field of nonprofits. I ended up working in economic development, and I ran an entrepreneurial mentoring program to help entrepreneurs scale their businesses, predominantly tech businesses. And um, we could help them find capital, and we could help them build early teams and early customer wins. But when they went to scale their companies, they couldn't find any technology talent. Um, there, was, there were not enough software developers in our workforce to fuel the growth of startups and even large companies. And as a result, the jobs were going elsewhere. The companies were being attracted elsewhere. And that was intensely frustrating to me. Um, to give you some real numbers, um, when we started Tech Elevator in 2015, there were 8,000 software developer positions advertised and just 280 computer science degrees conferred. So we started Tech Elevator to create a net new pathway into technology jobs to shorten the pathway, to make it more accessible for more people, and to catalyze the workforce of Cleveland, Ohio. Now, we've come a long way since then. We're a national company, but that was the genesis, creating net new technology talent to support the reinvention and the reimagination of a Rust Belt economy. Amazing, amazing. And so let's talk uh, some more about some of those numbers and statistics because I know uh, the average uh, graduate of Tech Elevator has received quite a little salary boost, um, and I know you've got some numbers on that. Um, what, what, why should somebody explore a career in technology and in, in coding in particular? Well, the average Tech Elevator graduate is seeing a $24,000 salary lift as a result of our 14-week or 30-week program. So um, we're incredibly proud of the return on investment that people are able to get when they invest in themselves. I'm a big believer that the best bet you can make in your career is investing in yourself. Um, the other thing I would say is there's just massive demand for technology workers today. Um, there are 1.7 million open jobs uh, in the U.S. economy right now. It is one of the fastest growing roles in the economy, and every company is a tech company. So if you're in the middle of your career, at the beginning of your career, and you want a long and rich career full of opportunity, software development technology is a great place to be. In addition to that, it is a highly meritocratic field, so your success is going to be determined on how hard you're willing to work, how passionate you are for the field, how much you're willing to learn, and I love a meritocratic field, and technology is exactly that. Amazing. Uh, again, I've been chatting with Anthony Hughes, the co-founder and CEO of Tech Elevator, a 14 to 30 week coding boot camp. 
that teaches students in-demand tech skills that can lead to meaningful careers in the tech industry. Graduates are getting a salary lift, as you just heard, of $24,000 as a direct result of the boot camp, and it's certainly helping to evolve um, and, uh, and shape the future of the workforce uh, to meet that enormous demand for tech talent. So, Anthony, I've got so much more that I can talk to you about, but really we do have to squeeze in a quick break over here, and I have to make sure that our listeners get in touch with you and everybody at Tech Elevator so they can start this journey on their own. Anthony, how can we get in contact with you? So um, it's techelevator.com, um, and uh, you can come to the website, and you will find a free aptitude test that will enable you to take that test, and we'll, we'll be able to tell you if you've got the cognitive ability, the natural aptitude uh, to enter into a field in technology so or enter into the field. So it's a great way to just kick the tires, see if it's a good fit. Um, you can find all of our social following opportunities there as well. So techelevator.com. Well, I'm excited to take this test. Okay, fantastic. TechElevator.com. Anthony Hughes, thanks so much for joining us, and I can't wait to bring you back on real soon to talk some more about the tech industry and all of the changing career opportunities. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. Coming up after the break, I've got more small business jobs and entrepreneurship, so you don't want to touch that dial. Lots more in store for you and get down to business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Maria Catrone, the founder and CEO of Maria Catrone and Associates Remax at Home and Motto Mortgage Expert Solutions. And uh, Maria, I know, has over 28 years of sales and marketing experience and leads one of the most successful real estate groups in the Philadelphia metro area with over 2,700 properties and $700 million in sales. So I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to have a conversation with the one and only Maria Catrone. Maria, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk with you today, Shalom. Absolutely. I know you've had a lot of success in your line of work. So, Maria, I always love to get to know the person behind the microphone. Maria, can you share a little bit about yourself and how you became so passionate about both real estate, but frankly, business and sales and marketing in general? Absolutely. So I've been in the real estate industry for 18 years. And prior to that, I sold radio advertising for 11 years. So I sold air. I worked with business owners to help them grow their business and developed marketing campaigns for them to drive sales into their organizations. And I always loved connecting people together and building relationships. So real estate, once it was introduced to me, was a natural segue from you know, a lot of door knocking in the radio industry. Fascinating. Okay, absolutely. And I hear the passion in your voice, um, as, and I'm sure you bring that passion with everything you do. And I know you're certainly very involved in community. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but certainly as a, as a woman, as a minority, how have you been able to teach and how, what advice would you have about how women and minorities in business can begin to build generational wealth and, and, and really start to build these amazing businesses like you have in the Philadelphia metro area? So what we've done at Maria Quattrone and Associates at Remax at Home is we developed the Pennsylvania Real Estate Scholarship Program. And that allows women and minorities to enter into the real estate world where we um, work with them to get them licensed, 
and bring them through our Ryzen Real Estate Academy. And with, this is a, like a four-month period and get them into a real estate career path. And by doing this, this allows us to help them then to build wealth over time by investing in real estate. First thing first, owning your own home. And then being able to take the money you make as a real estate in your real estate career and invest in real estate. So we make money in real estate, we earn, and we build wealth by investing um, in real estate and building generational wealth that way. But we got to get the people in the industry. So we are getting them in the industry through our scholarship program. We just launched it um, this in twenty at the end of twenty twenty. One, um, so we're coming up at the end of this year on one year of the program. That's amazing! An amazing real estate scholarship program. You're helping so many people, and I know you uh, take people through your Rise in Real Estate Academy. I know you're so passionate about this. But before we get into the nuts and bolts on the real estate side, I know you are a sales expert. What are the keys to growing a successful sales team? Because I know it's not just about you and your dynamic personality. I know you've been able to actually build a business and hire people. How have you done that? One day at a time, one foot in front of the other. Um, It is really all about providing an environment that will facilitate success. We, at the end of the day, um, we can't make any human productive. Um, We can just provide the environment for people to be productive. And then at the end of the day, it's up to everybody to do the work. You know, we continue to have to do the work day in, day out. And my motto is work works. So if you do the work over time, it will eventually work as long as you don't ever, 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 ever give up. Wow. Uh, that's that's great advice, frankly, for all the entrepreneurs that I know that uh, work so hard and are struggling, you know, to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel of all that hard work. But I know one, one day at a time, you've been doing this for a long time, for over 28 years, and uh, certainly you've made your mark in the Philadelphia metro area, but also in the community, and so way, way, way beyond. So let's talk briefly about real estate before we have to go to a break. Um, obviously, as a real estate agent, you have been quite creative using amazing marketing to grow your own business. What has worked and what advice would you share with our listeners? So in order to meet, to reach the most people effectively, utilizing video, uh, creating videos, utilizing social media, creating content, getting, building your brand. Everybody who's in business, whether they're in real estate, mortgage, title, insurance, any industry, okay, quite frankly, uh, it's all about building your brand. And building your brand is becoming an expert in your industry, understanding the ins and outs of it, and and then telling the world about it. So if you can't be on TV, whether that's you know earned media or that is paid media by buying commercials, it's very, very expensive. Uh, video and being on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, any of these mediums is a great way to connect with as many people as possible without you physically having to do it one-on-one. So I highly suggest any person in business utilize video to grow their brand. Amazing. That's great advice, and certainly that's relevant for everybody. We're going to squeeze in a very quick break here and get down to business 
Um, but when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Maria Catrone, founder and CEO of Maria Catrone and Associates of Remax at Home and Motto Mortgage Expert Solutions, uh, as well as the uh, the founder of this amazing, amazing uh, PA Real Estate Scholarship Program and the Rise in Real Estate Academy. Uh, Maria Catrone, uh, hang tight over there. We'll be right back. But before we go to break, I want to encourage you to check out our sponsors of this program, HealthPlanChicago.com. That's Tom Marabali, HealthPlanChicago.com, for all of your health insurance and Affordable Care Act questions. Again, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We've been chatting all about real estate, talking all about marketing with the one and only Maria Catrone. Um, certainly, we've talked a little bit about real estate, but um, Maria, I heard the passion in your voice as you've talked about developing a scholarship program in your business. What has that experience been like, and what advice would you share to fellow business owners? Mm. That experience has been a lot. Um, it's been rewarding. It's been stressful. It's been disappointing. It's been all of those things. And, you know, I'm somebody who um, I like to be transparent. So there's a lot of things that came up through the scholarship that we didn't know that we had to, as we were working through a tweak and change and pivot and um, adjust and the people that have made it thus far in the program are absolutely doing amazing and I know that I've changed their lives so all through those trials and tribulations there is a shining star at the end of it and um, we will continue the program we we've continued to tighten it up and um, you know one of the, the challenges that we did come to see is that a lot of people can't pass this real estate exam. We have 80 people that were awarded scholarships that have not passed the exam. And so, you know, we have to 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 change some of the ways that we were um, doing some things because there's nothing we could do if they can't pass, right? And so um, we did tighten up a few things and now it seems like um, we're getting a little bit more traction, but it's a lot of work. It's 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 a whole nother part of a business, um, another business model within a business. So, you know, I I think at the end of the day, um, we'll evaluate it by the end of the year, but we we'll probably will continue into 2023. Amazing. That's great. That's fantastic. So what, in general, what advice is you've had your ups and downs in, in entrepreneurship yourself what are some of the key highlights, some of the key lessons learned that you would share with fellow entrepreneurs, whether in the Chicago area and the Philly area and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing is, is that, you know, is keeping the promises that you make to yourself. And when you keep the promises that you make to yourself, you gain confidence. And when you gain confidence, you want to do more. And you do more, and then you want to do more. And it gives you hope, okay? Because we all are at different places. When a brand new agent comes into the industry, they're in one place. But I'm in a different place, but in the same place, because I'm growing a company. And so some days, you know, we all look at it ourselves in the mirror, and we say, you know, we look at it and you say, oh, gosh, can I keep doing this? And then something good happens. 
And that something good is what gives us the hope to continue down the path. Otherwise, everybody would quit. And some people do quit. But I know that over years and years and years, if you never, ever, 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 ever give up, you will eventually get to... I don't know if we ever get to exactly where we're going because there's always somewhere to go beyond that. But you will reach your goals if you don't quit and if you continue to build more confidence. Even the most confident people still need to build more confidence. Um, we all are the same mm -hmm. inside. And, you know, my advice is that, you know, keep those commitments to yourself. Even the smallest ones, like getting mm -hmm. your butt out of bed and getting to the gym. Or, you know, scribing in the morning or sure. uh, reading a book or whatever it is. Those things build upon each itself, itself. Maria, that's that's awesome advice. And uh, I know you've got a lot more advice and a lot more passion, a lot more to share. And I want to make sure our listeners get in touch with you. Real quick, can you share your website with us? Yeah, it's mqrealestate.com. I'm at sold by MQ on Instagram. And you can reach me um, on Facebook. It's my name, Maria Quattrone, Q-U-A-T-T-R-O-N-E. Thank you so much, Maria, for sharing your passion with our listeners. That's a wrap for us here on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship to success. Let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next week right here on AM560, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.